There we go. Finally, we had some technical difficulties to start this morning, but we're finally here on Coffee and Football, presented by Rick Valro and Texas Road. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, Sark's final press conference of the year, I can't believe, well, of the regular season, I guess we should say, will be today at 11 o'clock. It's it's crazy that we're already this far into the season. It seems like it just began the other day. But what are y'all thinking we're going to hear from Sark today? I I think we're going to hear a bunch of coach speak. Uh, <laughs> great, we, great week of practice, locked in, focused, not worried about the playoffs, task at hand, fourth Big 12 championship, leave the Big 12 with a championship, want a plaque on the – the DKR or whatever. I think, you, I mean, I, did that cover it, Bobby? I'm going to wind you up and let you go to the microphone instead of Steve Sarkeesian, Jerry. Can I cover, can I cover this? <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, I don't know exactly what he's going to say. Uh, the Longhorns appear to be relatively healthy. The only two people that we're, we're worried about are Austin Jordan and Ryan Watts, neither of whom are expected to play on Saturday. And Sark already mentioned that on Monday. Uh, unless there's been injuries during the week, which I don't hear about and I haven't heard about at this point, I think the Longhorns are ready to go for Saturday. Uh, I think that focus, Jerry and Blake, has got to be the key here. A lot of outside noise telling Texas how good they are. They're, ten, they're 11 and 1, best team in so long, yada, yada, yada. That has a way of sneaking up on you, just like it did TCU last year against Kansas State. Um, so, you know, play the game, play hard, uh, keep your focus on what you can uh, focus on. It's not about what Florida State does on Saturday, even though we know Texas fans and players, I mean, they've heard the same thing we have. Um, and so uh, they, we've got to figure that out. That We've got to figure that out. Uh, whether that comes to pass or not, we do not know. Uh, but uh, Texas uh, needs to execute. And focus, if they do that, they are two touchdown favorites against an Oklahoma State team that relies on Ollie Gordon to kind of stir the drink. Uh, and Texas is a good, good run defensive team. I, I want to get this out of the way. Somebody's asking if the lawnmower 5.0, <laughs> it's here. It's always here, guys. So just yeah. As is Terry Black's. Come out and see us at Terry Black's Friday, 3 to 4, Longhorn live stream. We'll also be hanging out with Aaron Hogan. Uh, and the guys from the Austin radio. Um, so, yeah, come on out Friday. Terry Black's 3 p.m. We'll be there. Hey, uh, a, a couple other things. And I want to say thanks to a, uh, a listener uh, that uh, wrote in and, and told me about this. They have named the referee crew for the Big 12. It is not Kevin Marr. Uh, so Texas fans can rest easy on that. It is actually uh, Derek Anderson and his crew. Uh, the Longhorns, I, I haven't done anything uh, to go check what, what he refereed Texas uh, to this year. But, Blake, you have something that I that you wanted to share about penalties, uh, yeah. opposing penalties. I want you to put that up on the screen, if you would. Yeah, uh, We mentioned Texas finished 131, 131st in the country in opponents' penalties called. Well, it should be no surprise that Texas was also uh, last – and opponent penalties called in the Big 12. 14 out of 14 teams this year. Look at this. You know, no holding called against it. Look, I mean, what do you say to that, guys? Crazy. I mean, look, West Virginia had almost twice as many penalties called. 
Well, it's a BYU. See, BYU was so bad this year. They had to, the refs had to keep them in the game. It's like youth league basketball. Yeah, officiating is what it is. All right, I'm looking over here, and I clearly see who the better team is. So I will really feel bad for these kids if they get blown out. So we're, you know what? We're not going to call traveling over here, but we're going to make sure and count two steps instead of two and a half over here. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Let's be real. And it's not Texas. We talked about it. It's the blue blood powers that are star- that this is happening to. Look at the disparity in yardage. I mean, take take those out. It's not just the number of calls. Look at the disparity in yardage. Texas only got 277 yard penalties for themselves. West Virginia, 572. It's crazy. Brown kept his job. You know that 300-yard disparity that that Mike Gundy thought was so big in the the punt return game for Texas? (laughs) It well, just got wiped yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, that, there's 300 yards in disparity for West Virginia and BYU. So we looked at opponent of penalties. Now let's look at penalties from across the conference. Or again, you know, against said team, Texas. Still there. Texas, yeah, Texas is also <laughs> the least penalties called against their opponents and the most penalties called against them. I got okay. and I'll be honest. It's easy to see why Baylor's number one after Texas played them because they can't block anybody anyway, so you can't call hole if you can't block. <laughs> well, but my point, look at that though, Jerry. This is the whole issue. I know. Baylor, three and nine Baylor. So you don't call penalties on the teams that don't really have a chance. You keep them in the game a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, that BYU's up there, West Virginia, you know, Cincinnati. I mean, it just, it kind of makes it, it kind of makes you ill because, I, I am not a conspiracy theorist, generally speaking, but this is not conspiracy when the facts are set out before you. That's a season's long worth of data. Yeah, that's just conference playing, of course. Yeah, they, Texas had the physical advantage over most of the teams it's played. Uh, with the per, one real difference was only Oklahoma, I think. Yeah, where they were more evenly matched than the rest of the conference, and the conference sees that and whether it's I, I think it is subconscious I don't think it's a, a deliberate attempt but yeah Oklahoma State may be the least penalized and uh gets the most penalties called against its uh its uh, opponents so crazy. something to look at absolutely crazy one other thing guys that we're gonna touch base on this morning the line now at 15 some some books even have it 15 and a half I mean, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. What do y'all think about that? Well, I I think it's because Texas can stop the run um, and can score. The the thing that I have a Oklahoma State has not been scoring the ball much. Now they played well in the second half against BYU, but a lot of teams scored against BYU this year. They've had a problem scoring the ball lately, um, even with Ollie Gordon being who he is. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that that's the lean here a little bit in what's going on. Uh, I don't think it's any miraculous injuries to an Oklahoma State player that is untold. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Texas needs to come out uh, strong on Saturday, make an impression. But more than anything, Texas needs to win. They need to finish the Big 12 the way they started it, with a conference championship. Steve Sarkeesian needs that. So that he can go into the Big 12 
and be selling that all off or going to the SEC, selling that all off season to 2025 recruits. This is something that I think people just don't appreciate. For the first time in a decade, more than a decade, a Texas coach, a blue blood program, will have a conference championship to sell to recruits, a 12-win season at least, potentially, to sell to recruits. Texas hasn't had that. They haven't had that since Mac Brown. I, I know that it's hard to say, well, that, you know, what is it? It's hard to feel that because that's the, the, the majority of that recruiting will take place in the next three to six months. It's not immediate. But I'm telling you, you're going to be happy with that fact in March when you start hearing, oh, this guy's coming to campus. He's decided to visit Texas instead of Ohio State. Or he's coming in from Atlanta instead of going to USC this week. He's going to Texas. Yep. You guys will start. That That's the whole thing that's the subtext, I guess, is the way to put it, behind what's going on right now, is that things will happen that will impact Texas longer term. This isn't just about this weekend. All right, guys. Well, plenty of time to get your questions in right here on Coffee and Football, presented by Texas Road. And uh, if, By the way, we have a guest <laughs> coming up at 830. Guest coming yep. up at 830. That's what I was about to say. We have Donald Hawkins joining us, former Texas offensive lineman. And, guys, he's fired up about Clark getting snubbed on coach of the year in the conference. He's not happy about that. And he says he's also going to drop some insider notes with us today. So it's going to be interesting to see what he has to say. He was supposed to be on a couple days ago, had something come up. But he will be joining us at 830. So um, let's just jump right into it, y'all. We got lots of questions. And, again, please get your questions in. but. You, Bobby, earlier you talked about the officiating crew. It has been announced. Scott Speck wants to know how bad you think they will be, though. Do you think it'll be Kevin Moore level or better? No, I don't think it's nothing can be 14 to no, nothing uh, <laughs> last year. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that people need to make a little bit more of a big deal about that heading into this so that the referees are aware that last year it was 14 to nothing in penalties against this same Oklahoma State team. That's my opinion. Uh, they they need to they need to come out there and say it uh, because that's something that's going to be I mean that could have that could impact a lot of things on Saturday uh, but I don't think I don't think they're going to meaningfully do it on purpose it just it's like Jerry said it's like middle school basketball where one team gets off to a ten point lead and then all of a sudden the other team's you know getting called for blocking or charging or whatever just to keep the game close and that's what you don't want to happen if you're Texas. All right, guys, we got a super chat here from Roberto Weller. I want to thank him, and I think that's that Guatemalan. <laughs> if I remember correctly, and he says Evan Stewart is in the portal. Jerry, I'm going to let you address it as you shake your head. I mean, look, I, I'll check right now if anything just broke, but there was a joke tweet out uh, yesterday about him actually being in the portal. So I'm on this show live, so if he just jumped in the portal, I mean, I, I'll have to look that up, guys. Yeah, I don't I don't think that was real as of last night. I don't yeah. believe so either. I do not believe so. Can't I think that that's not going to happen though. Now we'll see what happens. Hey Jerry, have you heard anything on the offensive coordinator gig at at AM? I know they were talking about uh, that Riley Leonard is in the portal, apparently. The the quarterback from Duke uh is gonna go in the portal. Uh we thought it was gonna be the Duke offense coordinator potentially or the Missouri offensive coordinator that uh, Mike Elko and his staff would uh, be talking to. Have you heard anything more 
I've not. I've not. I think Riley Leonard. I don't think Riley Leonard's likely to end up at AM. I think that's going to be Connor Wiegman um, as his spot. Um, I could be wrong, but I think Riley Leonard's been being linked to Notre Dame a little bit more early on. Two years in a row, they're going to go to the state of North Carolina to get a quarterback. And by the way, they just got a better one than the one they had. Riley Leonard will, if he can stay healthy, he will be a difference maker with Notre Dame talent around him on offense and in that scheme. I mean, Riley Leonard could be a first-round pick a year from now. He's that talented. And no, he wasn't a Mike Elko recruit. He was David (laughs) Cutcliffe, who's had many NFL quarterbacks that weren't highly recruited or were highly recruited that he coached. Daniel Jones uh, for the Giants before – Obviously before Peyton, Eli. I mean, he has – his his – his lists, his list is after if somebody can better Sark, I mean, it's probably Cutcliffe. Yep. I got hey Jerry, we have a a a, a portal question here for you from sure. Philip Markle. He says, Jerry, give me your boldest portal prediction. Wow. Um <laughs> putting you on the spot. Cam Ward goes from Washington State to Washington and an all-timer. Woo! Wow. That's as bold as I can get. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. You wanted a bold one. That's as bold as I can get. Goodbye, Apple Cup on one team. Hello, Apple Cup on the other team. (laughs) That's quite bold. Uh, We got a recruiting question for you here, Jerry, from Troy. And Troy says, Jerry, I've been wondering why guys like Colby Black and Colin Simmons have fallen in the rankings. Um, I think here's the thing. Um. When you're really ranked highly to begin, sometimes there are guys that really rise, and then sometimes people are looking for warts more so than with prospects that are rated below. Um, whether that's oh, a team's blown out eight opponents so they don't have big stats because they're not playing. I literally talked to Mike January earlier this week about, and said, and I just called and said, Alex had a hell of a game against the Woodlands. He said, yeah, our guy, our, these guys are finally starting to get to play a lot of snaps now that it's in the playoffs. Just something that gets lost in some of this um, uh, sometimes. But I think it's a mixture of, of a lot of that. Do I think there, uh, there are 12 better prospects than Colin Simmons in this class? No, I don't. Um, somebody's asking, we've had a lot of questions about Juice Wells, the receiver from South Carolina. People think he's entering the portal. People think Texas will be an option there. Um, look, I mean, Antoine Juice Wells is a hellacious player. Um, when he's healthy, uh, he would make any team better, in my opinion. He's really good. All right, well, we'll get to some more questions here in a minute. But, Bobby, before we get to those, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Texas Road. Yeah, Texas Road has specialized in difficult road projects and easy ones around the state, both commercial and private. Uh, The team's engineering background gives Texas Road the ability to perform work others consider either too risky or two two things they just don't want to deal with. Rick Vavro and his team offer an end-to-end client experience, including seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners, and most importantly, They produce solid quality work every time. That's Texas Road LLC. If you're looking uh, to get uh, any kind of uh, pavement, uh, concrete work done, uh, visit them, texasroad.com. 
All right, we want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. And guys, we got some, plenty more questions, so we're going to jump right into it. Pablo the Colombian, he says, if we finish number five, what bowl do you think we might be looking at? Fiesta against Tulane. Fiesta against you. Fiesta gets Tulane, or they might go, they might try to get some. I, I've been hearing a little bit of Ohio State chatter lately. They may they may try to figure out who actually the number three or four team was. I, 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 Billy Hoyle, we did not. Manscaped makes its return next week, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be balls to the wall, I imagine. Well, I can't wait to hear their their Christmas one. That's going to be a great one. All right. Well, along those same lines here, not political, just realists. If we don't make the college football playoff in a perfect world, who would y'all want us to play? If Bama don't make it, I want to match back up to prove it that it don't matter if it's week two or week 14, he says. I'm different on this. Go ahead, Bobby. I want I want Ohio State, uh, Missouri, Penn State. Probably Ohio State would be the team that I would like Texas to play the most. Yeah. I, I just feel like Ohio State gets a lot of run, um, uh, and they are a good team. Uh, but I feel like they don't play sophisticated passing teams in the Big Ten. I mean, name one. Now, most of that has to do with the fact that in October and November, it's, the weather sucks. And so they run the ball all. But you're not – is weather going to be a problem in Glendale, Arizona? Uh, or, so, or in Pasadena or in Miami. It may be in, it, it won't be in Jerry World. Right. So I here's mean, so that, Go ahead. I think that the Big Ten teams fundamentally have an issue in postseason and have for a long period of time when they play in warm weather climates because they don't throw the ball as well as their southern brethren or, or West Coast brethren, even. I, I think that's been an ongoing issue for them. Um, so I'm, I'm a little different on this just because I don't, you know, who plays for Texas in that ball game? Yeah, that's, that's the tricky part. So I know I'm going to get booed. Just give me Tulane, get my win, finish for four, four or five in the country, uh, have a 13 win season, keep that momentum flowing because, you know, you could go up against the game and my Ohio State's guys play and you know what, Tavondre Sweat and Murph say, you know, we're out. Then how does that game look? I agree. But my, my point, though, is that, yes, Ohio State is the passing team. I'm talking about their pass defense. Yeah. I'm not – I know they'll throw the ball around the yard. Ohio State is the only one that does that in the Big Ten. Yeah. My, my point being is that their defense isn't accustomed to playing that. They – Right. That's the difference. Yeah. Now, they have hellacious talent. And Nobody they, have Jim, they have Jim Knowles, who does know Sark a little bit. Yeah. And, so I'm not trying. I'm not sitting here trying to say that that they're not going to do that. But uh, and in Ohio State will have guys sit out too, Jerry. Yeah. Hey, by the way, uh, Bingles on the chat today. Thank you, Bingle. I just always want to mention my kid doesn't watch these. He watches you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We got some more questions here, and here's an interesting question. Uh, we'll change gears for a minute. Switch gears for a minute. Brian Brunson says, "Where does Mike Gundy rank all time amongst Big Twelve coaches?" That's a great question. You know, there you could certainly he's not as he was not a winner as big as Stoops. So if you if you're starting to rank Big Twelve coaches of all times, it probably starts with Bob Stoops it and does. Matt Brown. Yeah. Um, third would be. Maybe Bill Snyder, put him in there. 
And then I think you could you could make an argument from for Gundy for Gundy after that. And I would probably make that argument because yeah, he's been there so long. It's it's not only that he's been good, it's that his tenure's been long enough, right? Uh, Stoops and uh, Mac Brown both won national championships. Snyder uh, was an institution, uh, but Gundy is is gaining on that. To be honest with you, um, and he he's had just as much, if not more, success than Snyder. It's just Snyder re- resurrected a completely more more abundant program when he took over. Gary Patterson. Some people are mentioning yeah. him, but he didn't have the the tenure in the Big Twelve that that. Uh, that uh, Mike Gundy has had. He, he Some of his biggest success actually came prior uh, to uh, TCU being in the Big 12. While we're on the subject of the Big 12, Dennis Henry says, did y'all see the comment from the Big 12 commissioner after the Tech game that it was disrespectful for the crowd-chaining SEC? I know this is going to get me fired up. And that Texas should be banned from the championship game. I didn't see those comments. I didn't, I didn't see that. Twitter's a crazy place now. I, I, didn't, I haven't seen that. I, I believe the first part, but I'm not sure I believe the second part. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, Brett Yormark, you're in the rearview mirror, baby. And I, that's all I would say to him. I, I, I was talking to, you know, we had Paul Feinbaum on on Tuesday. And it was just refreshing to hear someone talk about a conference that doesn't have to look around its shoulder all the time. I mean, the Big 12 has this inferiority complex other than Texas, to be honest. Oklahoma doesn't have an inferiority complex, but Texas and Oklahoma were both part of a conference that had an inferiority complex. I've I've said this before, uh, you know, especially with Texas, especially with Texas getting through, uh, should win the Big 12 championship of football. I've said this before. Hey, Rodney, Frank Hay, Ogden, uh, uh, McLean, Chappelle, y'all aren't getting calls on the road, dude. That's going to be one tough final Big 12 in basketball on the road. All right. Well, we talked about Gundy a second ago, but now we have a super chat from Griffin. And he says, where would you rank Sark amongst the SEC coaches? Ooh, ahead of Billy Napier. Um <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I I had a Sam Pittman game I watched. <laughs> ahead of Sam Pittman too. Yeah. Uh, um, ahead of Jeff Levy. Yeah. Um, similar to Kiffin at this point until he wins a championship. Until Sark wins a championship. Uh, behind Goat, uh, Nick Saban for sure. Kirby. Similar to Heupel. Behind yeah. Kirby. Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Although, you know what, Brian Kelly, it's been a long time since he's won a conference championship. He's been at Notre Dame so long. Um, ahead of uh, Shane Beamer, for sure. I mean, I think that was that's going to end up being a bad hire for South Carolina. They thought it was going to be good, and it, he just he doesn't have anything on offense or defense that scares you. I would, so I, we would say the top five are Kirby – or sorry, Nick, Kirby, Brian Kelly, two college football playoff appearances, right? And he is – we did go to the SEC championship in year one. What are they nine and three this year? Um, you know, uh, Mike Elko's down the list. Jimbo's off the list. Um, Mark Stoops is still on the list. Almost was on a different list, or I have a different uh, jersey on, uh, shirt on. I would say Sark's top five after this year in the SEC. He's ahead of Kiffin for me. Heupel is in that same kind of category. He hasn't ever. He hasn't really broken through. 
right? He's he's had a, a one good year. Um, Mark Stoops, no. I mean, we're not mentioning Mike Elko. I mean, um, I I you know that's a good question. I, he's I'll tell you this. He's bottom of the rung pay 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 scale as of right now. In NFL, that not for long. Yeah, not for long. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, we we need to touch on all the. Like, look, when I was growing up, I want to touch on the the uh, Big 12 uh, players, uh, all-conference team, players yeah. of the year. I mean, that's something we didn't mention off the top of the show. We probably should have, guys. When I was growing up uh, in the 70s and 80s, you would look at the the conference, all-conference teams in the, in the Southwest Conference, and Texas would always have five, six, seven guys on the list. I woke up yesterday, or I saw that list yesterday, and I said, this is the first time in 10 years, 15 years, where the all-conference team was littered with Texas players like it used to be. Eight overall selections, seven different players uh, were named first team uh, all-conference. Uh, Xavier Worthy, uh, clearly uh, deserving of not only a wide receiver spot, but also got the punt returner spot. Uh, then you had Jonathan Brooks was second team. A.D. Mitchell was second-team wide receiver. J.T. Sanders, first-team uh, tight end. Uh, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, first-team Sweat getting uh, Defensive Player of the Year honors. Murphy getting Defensive Lineman of the Year honors. Then you had Jalen Ford, also a first-team selection. Uh, and Jade Barron, uh, a second-team selection. Uh, the one that, that people are asking if it was a snub, though, is Mike Gundy gets head coach of the year, not Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I was asked this the other uh, yesterday, actually, on a, a national interview I did, Jerry. You guys realize that as of right now, Sark is a three-game improvement from five and seven to eight and five to now eleven and one. Yep. Three, three more wins each and every year. So, and uh, by the way, I mean I know Donald Hawkins is about to go off on this, and I can't wait to hear it. But Sark won at Alabama by ten. The only guy that's ever done it to Nick Saban. And he's the one that made it through the Big 12 this year at 11 and 1, is the only team in the hunt to be in the playoffs. And his quarter starting quarterback missed two games, and his running back ACL. And his, they, Texas has had a slew of injuries offensively this year. I, and I think Gundy's a great coach, but Sark got robbed on this award. And I let Donald Hawkins go off because I'm not going to go off, and then he goes off. But Sark got robbed on this award. By the way, the, the Tavondre Sweat went in a defensive player of the year in the Big 12. What is so outstanding about that? The second interior defensive lineman for Texas to ever do that. He joined Casey Hampton. Now, he's not as good as Casey Hampton, to be clear. But he joined Casey Hampton as the only two interior defensive lineman from Texas in the history of the Big 12 to win Defensive Player of the Year. So while he's not Casey Hampton, that is a hell of company to be a part of for Tavondre Sweat. So tip of the cap, I don't have on, and congrats to him. I want to add this, too. The Defensive Freshman of the Year was shared between Anthony Hill and Ben Roberts. Roberts, a linebacker at Texas Tech, um, who played and started almost all year. He wasn't. He was a bigger piece of their defense, maybe, than Hill was. Um, but uh, listen to this group, and I and I mentioned this yesterday, Jerry. Of the defensive freshman of the year that Texas has had, they've had quite a few. Listen to this group: Corey Redding, yeah, Derek Johnson, Brian Arakpo, Quandre Diggs, Malik Jefferson, 
Caden Stearns, okay, all those guys, NFL players. That's where that's where Anthony Hill is headed. That's what that defensive freshman of the year says in my in my book, right? Which is not surprising. The other thing that we left out that we did not mention, uh, there are actually two. Burt Auburn, first team kicker. Congrats to Burt Auburn after starting the season just meh. He goes 19 of 19. Hopefully that continues this weekend. And then the offensive newcomer of the year is Adonai Mitchell. Uh, he he does certainly deserved that as well. I, I need to, I need to say something here real quick before we get to uh, the next thing. I'm being accused of old man bias with Casey Hampton. I just I want to read y'all Casey Hampton's stats. Three hundred and twenty nine tackles at Texas as a nose guard. Fifty six tackles for loss. Three time first team All Big Twelve as a defensive lineman. Okay. The number one ranked defense in America. Um, I mean, he registered 39 tackles for loss his last two years. 329 tackles, 56 tackles for loss, 56 quarterback pressures, nine and a half sacks, nine cause fumbles, three fumble recoveries. Oh, and by the way, he's the only D-line nose guard I've ever seen that had over 100 tackles in a college football season. So that's how good Casey Hampton was for people that never got to watch him. He was the best I've seen. Where the he was also sweat. Sweat kind of grew into his body a little bit at Texas, yeah. right? He he was not a great player starting off. Casey Hampton was benching four hundred and ten pounds. I saw him do it in high school. Yeah, I mean, he was just a he was a man from the start and played hard from the start. Sweat yeah. kind of grew into what he was, so his career doesn't match. In all fairness. All right, guys, we got Donald Hawkins about to come on. But before we bring him on, Bobby, I know we get doing the 12 days of Christmas. Today is day four. So tell everybody about it. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, a sweatshirt, uh, I think. And actually, I don't know if it's a sweatshirt. I wouldn't call it a, a sweatshirt as much as a hoodie uh, from Fanatics right now. Uh, you can actually click on the link here that we have provided uh, and go and do this. We, we're doing a 12 days of Christmas. This is the fourth day. We've had products from the co-op. Uh, we had uh, another another piece, uh, also a, a hat from the co-op. Guys, uh, it is that time of year. Enjoy yourself. Uh, get some stuff. I got this one for my dad. Uh, he likes uh, sweatshirts and hoodies, uh, so I got that for him for Christmas. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And, Dad, if you're listening, uh, close your ears on that one. You don't know that you got that. So. <laughs> All right, so we're going to bring in Donald here, former Texas offensive lineman from 2012-2013. Started, I believe, 24 or 25 games for the Longhorns. And, Donald, how you doing? Hey, guys, how you doing? Good, man. So, Hawk, I got to ask you a question, buddy. Um, you've seen this Longhorn and been part of Longhorn program. I think you were recruited by Stacey Searles. Uh, and been part of it for 10 years now, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think of Kyle Flood and the job he's done with this offensive line over the three years since he started with the team and has built it up to what it is now? Uh, first off, I think the world of Kyle Flood, I, I like the way he's about his business. I like the development he's doing with the kids. I think he has a structure and he's sticking to it what he want from an office lineman. And um, I was fortunate to be down there for Thanksgiving weekend, and I saw a couple of young guys that I never saw before, and I was impressed with them. So, to be honest with to be honest with you, I think Kyle Flood has the guys that he wanted in his room, 
and he's very particular with with certain linemen that he's want that he won't. I think he's doing a great job. I think the guys bought in, uh, as you can see. Man, the sky's the limit for that room, man. When I when Kyle first got the job, not, not when he first got the job, when he signed that, what was the number one lineman class? Yep. He told me personally that those kids junior year, they was gonna win a Joe Moore. This is Joe Moore, correct? Joe yep. Moore Award. So next year, I'm looking forward to that, Kyle. You said it. So <laughs> hey, hey, uh, so Hawk, uh, you you had a you were pretty uh boisterous on Twitter about Sark getting snubbed for Big 12 coach of the year. So I'll just let you give your opinion on that one because I totally agree with you. Come on now, man. Let, let, let's be honest, right? The guy go 12 and 1. Uh correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not the smartest, but they went what eight and one in conference play? How do you not win coach of the year? Uh, well, I think you have a, a guy that resurrected a, a team or, or brought back a team from the, the pits or from the depths of despair. <laughs> he took them there. I know. He was three quarterbacks, so that may preclude him from the award. <laughs> I, I will say this. it's it, it, Gundy was a sentimental favorite of Big 12 coaches because they know how hard it is to bring your team back. To Donald's point, though, the team that's eleven and one. We and won three games with a backup or two and a half. I, so what did they say about our coach, our coaching staff, and our coach? I, I don't disagree with you, Donald. I the question I have is like you've been in those rooms. Do do these awards, these Big Twelve awards, mean anything to the yes. kids? Yes, it does. Um, hell, I, I think I went on a rant my senior year when I got snubbed. So. Um, when you're a kid, when you're a student athlete, you set standards and expectation, right? Goals and expectation, right? I think a lot of those kids' goals was to be honored. Who doesn't want to be honored by that conference? Let's talk about it. Who doesn't want to be all-conference? Who doesn't want to be all-American? That's something you can hang your hat on. That's something you tell your kid. It kind of it helps, it helps boost your, um, what's the word? Ego. Not confidence. ego, confidence. Not not even confidence. It, it's legacy. Um, legacy, but what's the word? Uh, morale. It, it helps boost your morale. Yeah. So when you leave Texas or you leave Oklahoma State, do you want to be what we call just a jag, just a guy, or do you want to remember how oh, he was an all-conference player? Think about it. The guy went to Texas. Oh yeah, he started, but that's it. Oh, he went to Texas, an all-conference player. Oh, he went to Texas, all-American. Let you know he was a guy, right? Cool. So I think those uh, a lot of kids may say it doesn't matter. It does. It does. If it mattered in high school, why would not? Why would it not matter in college? Tell us a little bit, Donald. Uh, you watched uh, Texas and have been uh, an astute observer of the Longhorns. Uh, you you also have your own offensive lineman academy of sorts that you work with a, a number of young men up in the mm -hmm. Dallas area, uh, in particular. What do you see of, of certain players on the Texas offensive line that you really like? Start with somebody like a Kelvin Banks. Um, I think I talked with someone else a couple of days ago. Initially, I wasn't very high on Kevin coming out of high school. It could have been because I probably didn't know that much of Kevin. But my first time seeing Kevin was, um, I think it was the Under Armour camp in yep. Arlington. Yep. Okay. Um, I thought he was more of a guard. But when I ended up seeing his senior film, I was like, oh, these kids can play. And what really... Because I'm a big critiquer when it comes to offensive line play. I am. So when I saw him play his senior, not his senior, his freshman year at Texas, I was like, oh, shit, this guy. 
<laughs> this guy got a chance to be one of the great ones come through. Uh, but but since then, I don't grew a fan of Kevin. I think the world of Kevin, I think uh, I'm very excited that he's a horn. Um, he has the opportunity to be an all-conference player. Once again, we bring up that all-conference word. Three years, three years in a row. When the last time has that been done? Uh, it's, has it even been, has it ever been done? I'm not sure Texas has had an offensive lineman be a three year all conference selection. He uh, won't be though. He won't be because he'll be gone after next year. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's three years, freshman, sophomore, junior, three year conference player. Yeah, well, I, he, so, he wasn't first team all conference last right. year though. Was he offensive freshman of the year or something? Yeah, I don't. I don't team. That. It don't matter. All conference, all conference. Hey, hey, um, Doc, Hawk. I want to ask you about. DJ Campbell and Cam Williams, two guys from the Dallas area that I know you watch. What mm-hmm. are you see, What did you like about them coming out? What are you seeing? For, even though Cam's only played one game, he's going to take over at right tackle. Well, uh, let's start with Cam. Cam, Cam was the guy I, I had the privilege to work with one on one and also at a camp I had. Um, he was in the program for a little bit. I, I think Cam um, is another guy. When I say Coach Flood really, really hit a home run with these guys, because I personally work with these guys, I think the role of Cam. Cam is the guy that's six six. He told me this weekend he rate three fifty, right? Look good. Uh, I think I mentioned on Twitter the guy got the feet and the balance of a power forward. Yep. First round pick. When he was in high school, I'm looking. I'm like, this carry here. I'm watching his feet. The Stillings first round pick. Um, I think. If um, what's my guy name that play right tackle? Christian uh, Jones. Christian Jones. If Christian Jones would have not came back to campus. I think you guys would have been having a lot of conversations about Cam, and you guys would have noticed how good he is. Yeah. Now Cam had three false starts um, versus Kansas State. Yeah. If he doesn't have that, we're talking about how great he looked. No drop off. He came in no drop off physically, but he had three false starts. But if we clean that up. We're looking at Cam Williams in the conversation with, has top two, top three offensive linemen on Texas team. He's a guy I see has been an early draft pick. No doubt. I totally agree. And what about DJ Campbell? Um, because he had the farthest probably to go coming out of high school, right? Because he played think, tackle as much as an offensive tackle, and then he moved to guard. I think DJ Campbell um, – now, this is a kid I saw in Arlington, and I watched him dominate Burr, Arizona. Barrett, Arizona. Yeah. Um, my question would DJ be able to keep that same um when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. 
what's the word? Intensity. Yeah. That he had at tackle. I, no, that's what I did. I questioned when he's going to be able to translate to college. So I think it was smart putting him at guard because he didn't he didn't have the length. Uh, I think earlier in the year and last year he struggled mentally. He always had the physical attribute. He's he struggling mentally. He had a lot of missed assignments. So now as the season progressed, you can see that kid growing to his own. And as you can see now, he's playing pretty good ball. He's playing pretty good ball. I'm very happy for him to see that he live up to that expectation that a lot of people had half from because it, it's not easy. It's not easy. A lot of people was questioning, oh, he's a five-star. He's number one. Why is he not playing? But everybody learned different. Everybody have their own time. And it's crazy that you are mentioning the young guys. This is another guy I also think the world of. His name is Nato. He's the kid that was in the program that I worked yep. with since he was a sophomore. Yep. Nato, Nato was 6'4", 300. That's a sophomore. Yeah. I say he was 6'4", 300. He's 6'4", 300. So, looking like he's already in college. He's a guy that I think could play tackle or guard on the next level. Um, me and a couple of my buddies, I just bring Nato to training. Oh, this guy, he got the opportunity to play 10 years as a guard in the NFL. So, just to say this, Cal Flora really hit home run with these kids he picked up in that signing place. When I say these are good kids, these are premier linemen that he picked. I don't think – Bobby, you, you, you're you recruiting. When the last time has Texas ever signed a recruiting class of premier linemen like that? Uh Back in like 2001, <laughs> Sinline, Stuttered, Blaylock, uh, those guys all in one class. Um, you, you know, we talk about this, and you you got to mention, I mean, Connor Robertson came in against OU at, at center. No drop-off. Yeah, and played well, and he's in that same class. Cole Hudson started 13 games a year ago, or, or 12 games a year ago, excuse me. Uh, and he was in that same class. Malik Ogbo has played – uh, the tight end, uh, reserve tight end role uh, very well this, this year. That single offensive client, line class may go down, Hawk, as the best ever. And that's that's really saying something when you talk about guys uh, like we have with Sinline, Stuttered, Blaylock, all that group. Uh, quite quite a quite a group. All right. Uh, Hawk, thanks for your time this morning, buddy. I got buddy. one more question. Oh, now, keep the question coming. I got a lot to talk about. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey. What's your prediction for Saturday? We got to get your prediction, and we'll have you back on the show for sure. What's your prediction for Saturday? We got, I know you got a lot to talk about, especially leading up to signing day. We'll get you back on to talk about something. I think, honestly, um, they might not say it, but Texas is pissed off right now. I'm not even a player no more, and I'm pissed off for them. I think the disrespect is at an all-time high. I think no one respects Texas within the college uh, community. Um so I'm thinking these guys are going to put a thumping on these guys. I say put a thumping. I, I, Oklahoma State might not score more than 10 points. So, so I'm thinking 38 to 10. Okay. I like it. 38 to 10. I think all Texas fans will like it. No doubt about that. Well, Donald, thank you so much. And Jerry said we'll definitely get you back on and get, get some more takes from you. Thank you for joining us this morning. All right. No problem. Hook up, Donald. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. That's Donald Hawkins, former Texas offensive lineman. It's not often we get to talk about the the line. You know, usually a lot of the guests on were skilled players, so it's good to hear. Yeah, you know where it all starts. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, guess that, I mean, he's a guy from Mississippi, right? Stacy Searles recruits him to Texas. 
Um, he remained in Texas after, you know, his, his time in the NFL playing professionally, came back to Dallas, remained in uh, Texas. I mean, he's a longhorn. He's a longhorn for life, man. He's going to be in the state. Got a good business, worked with a lot of the best young linemen in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So he's doing very well. He's doing really good stuff out there. For sure. All right, guys, before we move on, I'm going to tell everybody out there about Prize Picks. And Prize Picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game. You just simply pick between two to six players, and if they'll go more or less than their Prize Picks projection, it's just you versus the projections available instead of battling thousands of other players. It's really simple to play. It takes almost no time. I make my picks, submit my entry. It takes about less than a minute, to be honest. And what I love about it is that it adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. You can watch your progress update in real time. You can win up to 25 times your amount and then cash out your winnings with quick withdrawal. So it's that easy. Uh, all you have to do is go to prizepicks.com slash on Texas, use promo code on Texas, and you'll get a first deposit match of up to $100. And this weekend on Prize Picks, I'm all over the Big 12 championship action. I was actually talking to Bobby and Jerry about it before we came on today. I'm choosing Quinn Ewers to pass for less than 266 yards and Alan Bowman to pass for less than 250. But I'm also going to pick Jaden Blue to rush for more than 30 and Ollie Gordon to rush for less than 104. Mm. So join me on those picks and to make picks of your own, go to prizepicks.com slash Texas. Promo code on Texas, and you'll get that first deposit match of up to $100. And that's Prize Picks Daily Fantasy. Hey, which one do you feel most comfortable about that? Those I picks. Bought, man, no, I, I, mean, I know which one of the one you said less than 266 for, 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 Quinn. Um, for Quinn, same number kind of for Bowman, Ollie Gordon, 106. I'm going with Jake the rush. Who's going to rush for more than 30? Yeah, I of think all of those. Like if I had to, like, push in a little bit of chips on one over the other. I would think that Jaden blue rushes more than 30. Don't you Jerry? Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, look, they're playing on this turf in Arlington with not weather, not a factor. All Oklahoma state has to do is miss one edge set and he's going to get 30 on one carry. That's, that's the one for me, Blake. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think, I think blue for sure going over 30 and then I, I'm just, you know, Putting the Texas defense out there to hold Ollie Gordon. That's a scary one because, you know, if Texas gets up, um, I, I you'll everybody will say, well, just Oak State's just going to throw it, throw it, throw it. I, I don't think Gundy's you know. got that type of team. So if Texas gets up, substitute seven guys on defense, he, he could get sixty <laughs> on one on one possession, and you lose unluckily. That's the tough thing about that one. Don't put that evil on me, Jerry. Don't be saying something <laughs> like that. <laughs> we, we can't be having that. So, but yeah, get, definitely head on over to Prize Picks. It's a lot of fun. Makes the college uh, sports viewing a lot of fun too. Adds to the excitement. By the way, somebody on the uh, comment section asked if Stacy Searles uh, is related to Taylor Searles on the Texas staff. That is his daughter. Yep. All right, we got some super chats we're going to get to, guys. We want to thank Seth here, uh, and his is a two-parter. Here we go. So does Texas have any interest in any current portal injuries, specifically defensive line or wide receiver? Yes, on portal entries in total, not necessarily that I've heard of at defensive line. Um, they may be looking at a couple still that are in that they haven't made a decision on yet. 
Wide receiver, I think they're waiting at this point. Now, that doesn't mean they couldn't come back around, but I think they're they're waiting for some big names potentially to drop. Well, speaking of portal wide receivers, this is Jerry's favorite question here lately. Jay Lee with the Super Chat. He says, Jerry, how likely is Evan Stewart to Texas? I, I can't. Don't get me trying to bet on Evan Stewart now. <laughs> That'd be a prize picks question for the team right there. No. There you go. Look, look I, I I broke the news that he wasn't going to travel to LSU, and that was a one hundred percent. Where Evan Stewart ends up, no, no, I can't go go there, man. Not right, not not right now. Let's see if he jumps in the portal at all. A and M's doing their very very best to keep it from happening. Uh, are are they though? I mean, isn't that a big decision for a new coach like Mike Elko? I, I mean, I think about it. Do you want a malcontent on? You've got a new roster. You've got plenty of good receivers you don't have necessarily any great receivers right now other than potentially evan stewart but you know do you want a malcontent on your roster your first year or don't you want to kind of clean slate that would be my question um to, to mike elko like how how hard are they pushing to keep uh you're hearing they're they're pushing hard to keep him jerry uh, I I was told that Damian Craig not being retained actually opens the door for a possibility of him returning. Yeah, that actually opens up the possibility. I'm not saying it's happening now. Who knows with Evan Stewart, man? Fair. <laughs> uh, somebody, uh, hold on. I was I was going to answer a question. Somebody answered something up here. Go ahead. I'll bring it up. Okay. Well, while you're looking for that, man, this is I oh Jalen Conyers, Arizona State. Well, I'm not. We haven't heard anything on that. I, I don't know. Again, if that is uh, where Texas would go. He's hey, a tight end, by the way. We, we got to say congratulations. I think this is the second time this has happened this week. Ford Parker says able to catch you guys on the book. Wife just delivered baby number two this morning, and it's a girl. Hook them. Thanks for tuning in, and congratulations to you and your wife. <sighs> That's all. Awesome. Uh, we, we got some more super chats here. Mr. All I do is win. I want to thank him. He says, forgot to say we got our first holding penalty on the opposing offensive line all year against tech and sweat received defensive player of the year. Um, and they also got a holding penalty on the fake field goal or on the fake punt. So yes, uh, miracles do happen guys. Miracles <laughs> do happen. Um, still, I, I, you know, Went into the half and Texas had more penalty, five penalties or six penalties to Texas one or zero. I mean, we Texas is a, a more aggressive team than most of its counterparts in the Big Twelve. I will add that 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 can contribute to penalties, but the numbers that we put forth earlier in this show, Blake, they're just kind of it, it is what it is, and I don't I don't sit here and try to make uh, excuses. Uh, because Texas is 11 and one, there's no excuse to be made right now. Um, it's just, uh, we've got to see what happens um, going forward. I hope, uh, I don't, I, one thing that's interesting in, in people, I'm really interested next year um, in seeing this. Texas has always been the hunted in the Big 12. Everybody, you know, whenever somebody says, oh, you, Joey McGuire, you got to beat Texas. Dave Aranda, you got to beat Texas. Uh, you know, Matt Campbell, don't worry about everybody else in the Big 12. Just worry about Iowa, non-conference, and Texas. In the, I mean, Iowa State. Kansas State has a particular uh, thing with Texas. Then you add Houston, who, you know, Dana Holgerson 
said in this press conference, just beat Texas. It's going to be interesting how Texas all these years, even going back to the Southwest Conference, has always been the hunted, the one team on the on the on the uh, schedule that people would circle. Yep, that's not going to be the case in the SEC. No, I mean now they'll they'll care about it. Don't right. get me wrong, because every game is important. But Florida, they're they're more concerned about Georgia. That's right. Georgia more concerned about Alabama and Florida. This is going to change. Yeah. So that that thought process will change, and I'm. I, I want to know what it really means, not just with refereeing for sure, but with how Texas gets up for games, how every game is treated as a different. I mean, that that was one thing that got me. I mean, teams bring out different game plans against Texas specifically. I don't think that happens in the SEC. I don't think that you're going to see a wildly different game plan just for Texas every week because their their job security isn't going to be predicated on it. Um, people are asking about Ashton Cozart now. I, I don't see that one. I guess we got another transfer originally from Washington, but played high school ball at Flower Mound Marcus and DFW area. I, I don't, I'd be surprised. Now we got a super chat here, guys, from Archmania. And he says, this team loves Coach Sark. How much fire do you think they play with for their coach? I think they go out and make a statement. I One thing I like about Sark getting snubbed, the only thing I like about him getting snubbed, his players are going to take that personally Saturday. In my opinion. I hope so. They will. They need to play with an edge on Saturday. However they get that edge, I don't care. Right? And if it's uh, something as simple as uh, the coach, one coach that you're playing against getting the the uh, Coach of the Year award versus your coach that, frankly, Steve Sarkeesian, you can say what you want, but he has never talked down about his players in his three years at Texas. He's never put it on them, ever. Um, you know, and uh, I, I think that the players respect him for that and understand him for that. Um, he's also given them the lion's share of the uh, accolades. Like he he talks about how good they are, says they're focused. He, he, he tries to build them up, not tear them down. Uh, a couple coaches like Nick Saban, frankly, will tear down players uh, publicly at times. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, that, I, that's, I, not, that's not Sark. No. Nah. I want to bring up one more thing, Bobby, with what you said about Texas not being the hunted. I will. What will be? What's interesting is to me with that is that could almost change in the next week. Um, I was just thinking about what you said, and I 100% agree with you. But Bill Clyde had it was great with the playoff scenarios the other day. What if FSU loses Georgia? You know, say they lose to Alabama. 23-20 on a last-second field goal. And Georgia gets left out and Texas and Alabama are in. <laughs> I mean, there's a scenario out there where Texas would go to that conference and people be, yeah, eh, them. Maybe in year one, but not, not, over, a, not, not long-term. Long it's, it's Nick and Kirby as long as they're there. Well, or it's not even that. I mean, you don't. South Carolina isn't going to circle Texas. No. Like the only team that may circle Texas, frankly, other than A&M and OU, which you expect. LSU. Are, no, they won't LSU. circle Texas. I mean, they, they've got these long-standing rivalries with teams like Ole Miss. Um, I mean, that's, that's always going to be a big one for them. 
Alabama has been huge. Um, maybe Texas LSU develops into something, but the only other two are Arkansas and uh, probably Missouri. Yeah. Right. Because they need to recruit Texas more heavily than the other schools. All right, y'all, we got a couple more Super Chats we're going to get to. And uh, Trace actually posted a picture of this on Twitter and tagged us in it. But he says, my grandfather played at Oklahoma State from 21 to 23. 19, 21, <laughs> 23, obviously. Uh, when they went to overtime with BYU, I was forced to break out his 100-year-old leather sweater. But I can assure y'all that luck charm is safely back in the mothballs. <laughs> weren't they, at that point in time, I'm a little bit of a historian here, but weren't they called Oklahoma A&M? I believe they were. I think you're right. Yeah. Either way, that's pretty cool. That, mean, it is very cool. cool that you had uh, a, a grandfather that played way back that, that long ago. Yeah. Cool keepsake, too. Yeah. No, no doubt. <laughs> all right. Lee Barden with the super chat. He says, why all of the rumors by the media about Arch transferring? Are there really any concerns? Hook them. Beat Oklahoma. Because Cowboys. they want him. <laughs> that's why. I mean, look. Here's they're, they're, they're a little jealous of the Longhorns quarterback situation. I wrote this to, this morning on Inside Texas. I have heard absolutely zero about Arch transferring behind the scenes. In fact, I am hearing that he is going to stay. That being said, you know, who knows this day and age with everything going on. Uh, even if Quinn Ewers comes back, I hear Arch is staying. So I, I want to say this. A lot of people have, have, were going into this. Oh, well, Arch Manning's not as good as he's supposed to be. Uh, he's it's just his name, all this stuff. All the time we knew Alabama and Georgia, and they all wanted him, right? Everybody wanted him, but they all, oh, well, he's not as good as he, he is. He's, there's this quarterback out of California that can spike a volleyball or something. Everybody wants him. Then they go and see him play against um, uh, Texas Tech, and they're like, oh, we really want him because he's a much better athlete than we expected. They all thought he was this plotting Manning, like his uncles, who was just a pocket passer. His uncles are in the going to be in the Hall of Fame. So pro football. So let's let's be honest about that. Even if he was just a passing quarterback, but he's much more, and that makes him a better college quarterback possibly than his two uncles. That's why they're all they're all a flutter right now. Yeah, I talked I talked to a. Uh longtime high school coaching connection yesterday who they have had the school stops he's been at. They've probably had seven, eight D one quarterbacks, I would guess. Um, a couple of them didn't play quarterback long-term, but they, they do a good job with these guys. And he, he called me yesterday. Um, we we're catching up on a couple of things and he was like, look, I wasn't completely sold, but he said, and he said, he's got to go do it. But what I saw Saturday or Friday night, he said in that brief time, he said, that guy has a real, real chance, real, real chance. And he, he's not one that gives out a lot of compliments. So I was, it was a pretty interesting phone call. We should hear something, by the way, on uh, Quinn Ewers relatively quickly, I would guess, uh, after uh, the Big 12 championship on whether his decision is to re return to school or uh, head to the NFL. Uh, as I reported a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was told it was at least a 90% chance uh, that Quinn will return to Texas. Uh, I would expect an, an, an announcement of some sort. I don't know about immediately, but within the first week after the Big 12 championship. Okay, guys, well, we talked about backup quarterbacks. We have a question about one of the backup running backs who's 
definitely made his mark last week. Uh, Jay Early 07 says, do y'all think Trey Wisner possibly seeing more playing time? Um, not, you know, look, I think his time's going to come, uh, but I think your running backs uh, are pretty set. I mean, Cedric Baxter fits the scheme. Jaden Blue's a, a really good change of pace. Need to get him outside, um, get him the ball in the passing game. I think he's a good change of pace. I think saving on red, uh, you know, is, is your number three. And I think Wiser's number four. We'll see what happens in spring ball. It's going to be great competition there. Trey will keep getting stronger, adding muscle to that frame. I think he'll look like a different guy physically because he wasn't an early enrollee. I think he'll look like a different guy physically come August than he has all season. Uh, but I, I see nothing but good things in his future. But I think your running backs are pretty much set right now headed into this weekend. Let me ask you this. I do think they're set heading into this weekend. Could you see Wisner playing another position as physical he as he is? He'd be a hell of a safety if he if he that's if he what has I'm the, saying. I mean, if, I, if he has the eyes and the mind to do it, right? And you don't know that because running down on special teams, Keaton Crawford's a beast, but Keaton Crawford's not a safety. So if it translated to safety, what about I, nickel? I, yeah, because you get him closer to the line of scrimmage, he'd be a hell of a pass, a hell of a blitzer, but. No. You know, here I am trying to make a guy that what did he average on Saturday or on Friday night? Seven, eight yards of carry. And I'm trying to make him a different player. <laughs> you know, I think I think we'll see how he does it. But you know what? They did it at DeSoto too. Yeah. They made him a, a wide receiver. Eric Wasser said he played safety at Connolly. And I think, look, I think that's where uh that's obviously a family member. I think I think if it translates, he could be a hell of a safety. Yeah. And that's the thing you 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 have to. You would add speed back there immediately, Jerry. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Rick Bobro and Texas Road. Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking uh, for a commercial construction of road projects, pavement, et cetera, concrete, whatever you need, uh, give guys at Texas Road. That's TexasRD.com uh, a shout. They'll be happy to work with you. Uh, they focus on not only commercial, but also private construction as well that's texasrd.com we appreciate uh rick bobro and his team over there for their sponsorship of every thursday's coffee and football thanks rick okay guys well earlier we talked about sark you know getting rewarded for this season we've had a few questions about this but chuck mason wants to know do you think sark will get nine million per year after the season if he wins saturday he will look i mean i, I don't know what the number is but it's not seven point five, probably, which would be a two a two million raise, and only five hundred thousand more than Elko. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. I mean, I I think that Sark has been having these conversations, not him, but his agent behind the scenes for a while now. Uh, yeah. Texas it definitely wants to keep Steve Sarkeesian and has every intention of doing so. And I think as as important as that is for Sark. I would also think he's battling for a larger salary pool for his assistants. And that was and that Texas is cheap. I'm just saying part of the negotiations, right, Bobby? It's not just about me. It's also about my guys. Yeah, and he, he probably needs to – I know he can't say this, you know, and can't be part of his contract, but NIL needs to be part of it too. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I, I need as much NIL help as I can possibly get if I, if we're going to win. You can't put that in a contract, but conversations can be had. 
Well, Bobby, I'm glad you mentioned NIL because that's actually the next question from Space City Wrangler. He says, Bobby, why not tie NIL to bowl participation? You can't tie anything to pay for play. So literally, if a player decided to transfer in October and you had a contract with him through December, you would be paying for him through December no matter what. So it can't be pay for play. That's why the, I mean, I don't know if y'all saw this, but Utah, uh, for example, wanted to give every single member of their team a truck. <laughs> and they came out with this big announcement, the, the, the Ford dealer up there said it, and, and they said, well, what are you going to do if a guy transfers? Oh, well, we'll just take the truck back. And the NCAA <laughs> said, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so they had to reissue a press release saying, oh, well, our contract with him will end when he leaves. And, and so it was just, NIL is Byzantine uh, ruling rules around it, uh, but that's that's just a no no. You can't you can't tie it to participation participation on a specific team even. Like you, you can't say oh once you leave Texas, it has to be straight your own personal name, image, and likeness. Now we have a super chat here from Joey Flores. And this going back to what we were talking about just a little bit ago, guys, he says, as oh, yeah. a Texas fan from Southwestern Louisiana, LSU fans do not like us. No. There's hey, no doubt. Hey, the that. state of Texas, this, let's be. Uh, we're seeing like seven Bobbies. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's Bobby Mania right now. <laughs> Dude, you want to talk about flooding the zone? There it is. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. So, Bobby Mania. Uh, that's going to be a new uh, handle for somebody's. Uh, look, yeah, I, I go down in the uh, LSU uh, country a lot, seeing recruits and kids have for years. That is 100% spot on. Um, uh, uh, there is Texas A&M and Texas are not liked in the state of Louisiana, especially A&M wants to be LSU's rival, especially when they moved to the SEC because the Texas rivalry was gone. Um, obviously, with Texas, it has uh, as much to do with the brand and the Texas being a much better program than AM over the years than anything. Uh, By the way, I love LSU fans. I'm not saying anything negatively. I love going to uh, LSU side on on three. That's one of my favorites. Uh, but the, 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 the hate is real, and that's what makes the SEC so much fun. I was about to say, I'm not sure that they love you sometimes. <laughs> All right, Jay, while we wait on Bobby to come back, let's talk some recruiting for a minute. We got lots of recruiting questions that we really haven't touched on today. Uh, Martin Montoya says he's hearing Texas has reached out to Draylon Miller. Anything on that? Uh, nothing moving there. I, you know, look, I, I would think that could be one guy that could end up back in AM's class, but we shall we shall see there. And then I know you kind of talked about this earlier in the week on Inside Texas, but Champ Bailey says, any news on Terrence Hibbler? Not definitely not on Alabama lock. Um, I'll say that. I think uh, he'll pro Alabama is going to look to get him on campus next week um, uh, and get him on campus there. I, I expect Bo Davis to be out and go by that school next week. Alabama, Freddie Roach will be by that school next week. I think, look, if he actually opens up his recruitment, which he still has to do, um, with Jeff Levy, because you know they're going to be there Monday morning. Um, one of his, the D line coach was returned, Dave, uh, retained. David Turner uh, was retained by Jeff Levy. So he's going to be there Monday and try to stop Hibbler from going to Bama and shut down the movement with Texas. Uh, but I, I was told by somebody I've known a long time in Mississippi that if Hibbler opens up his recruitment, that Texas is the, probably the favorite. So we'll see what happens. 
I know, I know it doesn't seem like a long way to go because what are we 22 days from signing day, but it is a long time in recruiting, especially with these coaches hitting the road next week. Because they, it that is it, it, it the days will go fast, but the recruitments will go slow for these kids the next 20 days. Uh, this next question from Antoine, who always has some good recruiting questions, and he says, What's the path of playing time for Christian Clark? You know, I I love Christian Clark. Um, I think he's a perfect scheme fit for Texas. Not only running the ball inside zone, catching the ball out of the backfield, I think he's going to be a, a physical, aggressive pass pro guy. I think he'll be a quality pass pro guy like Cedric Baxter is. Um, the path, you know, look, I mean, it, it takes a little patience. Um, he's trying to be an early enrollee. You have to go through a lot of hoops in the state of Arizona to get there, but he's attempting to do that. Um that's one state that doesn't really just – they don't make it easy to be a high school grad, December high school graduate. Um, if he can get in in the spring, I think he has a chance there. Um, because, I, you know, look, I, I'll be surprised if Jonathan Burks comes back next year. Honestly, we'll see what he does. Um, but Christian Clark there is, is the other combo back to Cedric Baxter as far as the inside runners that fit that inside zone scheme. It would be him. Cedric Baxter and Savion Red. Then you have Jay, Jaden Blue, who you want to get. You want you can hand it off to him there, but in the SEC, you want to get him to the edges more. Um, and Trey Wisner, pretty much the same until he really builds his body over the next couple of years. Um, and we'll see. But all those running backs have to come back as well, so we'll see what happens. But Christian Clark, if he gets in early, I think he's a really good scheme fit. I'll tell you this about Christian Clark: I think he will be the go-to back on the goal line early in his career. I think that he has a real strength um, and instinct for that. And Jerry, I know we touched on this earlier in the show, but we've had a lot of people join since then. So I'm going to let you reiterate what you're talking about earlier. Antoine Juice Wells, wide receiver from South Carolina. We're getting a lot of new questions about him. What do you think on that transfer situation? Yeah, I mean, look, will Texas take a look there? Yeah, absolutely. He's a very, very, very good football player when he's healthy. But here's the reality. Once a guy jumps in the portal on that level, then everybody's going to be on him. So um, unless he goes in the portal with a no contact, then he already has his school. But if if he doesn't have no contact when he enters the portal – I mean, it becomes the wild, wild west on guys that, that are that good. So predicting where a guy ends up is early on, I think that's I think that's a guess because the uh, the recruitment hasn't even begun, truly. Uh, Jesse Ullman, uh, he says, Jerry, where did that one safety go? Pardon me for forgetting his name, but he hits hard. You call him the human hit stick. Yeah, the walking hit stick. Uh, Josh Lairs committed to Washington. Uh, really good get by Washington. I think he's going to be a very good player for them and in the Big Ten. Uh, I think that's a good evaluation by uh, uh, by University of Washington. Uh, by the way, Colton's asking Mayo on my Terry Black's brisket. No, no, maybe one for a photo just for y'all though. <laughs> but no, no barbecue sauce all the way. Well, Bobby just texted us. He's having some technical difficulties, and I was going to save this question for him, Jerry, since it was asked specifically to him. But I'm going to ask you. It is recruiting related. Chrissy says. Jerry, out of all the new commits, are those most likely to commit? Who are you wanting to see and play in the UT uniform the most and why? Man, that's a tough question. A lot of these guys' parents follow this show. And the kids <laughs> who, who are some, show. Let, me, let me reward it for you. Then. I'm going to make it a little No, I'll, I'll answer it. I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. real. I'm, I'm real. I'm gonna, I'll answer it. I'm real. Um, Colin Simmons, because if he is as good as an edge, of an edge pass rusher as – 
he can be if he maximizes his talent, then he is a guy that will have double digit sacks. And and it's been a long time since Texas had some. And I'm not saying he's a true freshman, but I'm saying he's going to get to that point in his player and in, in his career. Um, that changes a defense, especially in the SEC. Hey, Ashton Holloman wants to know if you could name all 133 D1 teams without looking it up. Yeah, but we don't have enough time. Yeah, we ain't doing it. He just wanted to know we're not we're not going to go through that here. Oh man, I have one more question for you here, Jerry. This one from Lee Barden. He says, Jerry Hamilton, Ooh. where would you rate Stony Clark among all time defensive tackles for Texas? That's a more of a Bobby question, probably. Yeah, <laughs> he, he may have the most important tackle um of all of them look i think is for me it starts with casey hampton the list goes down from there i mean i gave the stats earlier i've never seen a nose guard have a hundred tackles in a college football season i mean and i but i also saw casey in high school i've never seen a guy dominate uh the defensive line as a high school player like casey hampton did and that just carried over from college um i think the list starts there sean rogers was an awfully awfully talented football player um, obviously, you got the BS uh, uh, chop block his uh, senior year that really set him back. Else, who knows how good that duo would have been. Uh, but, you know, where does Stoney rank? I mean, that's probably more of a Bobby question, to be honest. I, I would put Sweat ahead of Stoney Clark, obviously. Uh, uh, Byron Murphy, as a player, I'd probably I'd put ahead of Stoney Clark, too. But Stoney Clark has one of the most important tackles as a, de- as a defensive lineman in, in Texas history. I, I lied, TJ. We're going to do one more. And this one was asked to Bobby, but I think this is something that we need to talk about. SOTG Dallas uh, says that a lot of people said that Texas obviously needs to win, but doesn't need style points. He thinks they could be a big help. Do you think Texas needs style points this weekend to help that college football playoff ranking? I, I think it, I, I think, look, if they can win the game, by double digits, to, I think the more important thing is look really good. If Oklahoma State plays well, and, and Texas plays well, and you win the game 41-27, 41-30, I think Texas will get a lot of credit for that. Um, uh, now, people, some people will reference Oklahoma State's a three-loss team. Then other people will reference, well, look, Oklahoma State had won seven the last day, and they beat Oklahoma, Kansas, Kansas State back-to-back weeks of the season. Uh, but still, I think more than style points now, this very much comes down to Louisville versus FSU. Louisville needs to beat FSU. I really think, and I like what Joel Klatt said about if Alabama beats Georgia, then that will pull Texas because Texas has to win. I do agree with that uh, as well, what Joel Klatt said. I think he made a great point. But I really think this thing begins um, and and ends in large part with an FSU loss for Texas, no matter what the score is in AT&T Saturday. All right, Jerry, before we get out of here, let everybody know, Tomorrow, Terry Black's. What's the game plan for that and this weekend right here on On Texas Football? Terry Black's barbecue uh, in Dallas, three to four. Uh, tomorrow, um, we'll be live there. Bobby, myself, um, uh, we'll get there probably around two. Aaron Hogan, Austin Radio, obviously. Uh, Rod Babers, those guys. Rod won't be there. He'll be uh, at home with the with the kid and the wife, but he'll be on the uh, radio show. Bobby and I are going to hang out, hang out afterwards. We'll probably be there from two to seven tomorrow at Terry Black's on Friday, Saturday morning. I'll be at a remote with uh, Aaron Hogan as well. Uh, so we got a bunch of, we got a bunch of stuff going on, um, and look forward to that. We have our weekend live thread on Inside Texas right now. Eric Nalene has a team report. Bobby Burton has his thoughts. 
OTFIT23 uh, for that. Um, I, I encourage everybody that this is part of Inside Texas. Let's have some fun with this this weekend. <laughs> Take some photos and post them on the thread. Our Alabama thread was unbelievable. People were posting their photos when they were at the Alabama game on the Inside Texas weekend live thread. Post your photos where you're at on the thread if you're a part of Inside Texas, man. That just really brings everything to life on a weekend like this. And I'm going to be shooting photos everywhere I'm at, posting them. Uh, so I hope everybody has a lot of fun. And I look forward to meeting uh, new uh, people I haven't met before at Terry Black's tomorrow and the people I have met. Looking forward to hanging out with you guys tomorrow, as I'm sure Bobby is as well. Or a Friday. And judging by the chat, there's going to be quite a few Texas fans there too. So be sure to come out for that. As Jerry said, head on over to Inside Texas. You can use promo code OTFIT23. You get a dollar for the first two months. You must select the monthly offer for that. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, Bobby's not going to be coming back right now, but he will hopefully <laughs> be back later today right here. Lots of great content coming up on, on Texas football. If you haven't already, please hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime we go live or a new video is posted. And we want to thank Rick Balbro and Texas Road for sponsoring today's show, uh, along with Game, or I'm sorry, uh, Fanatics, <laughs> and then Prize Picks as well. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. <laughs>